the kids that have come to our church, and they come to our ministries. Either Fridays, we've gone visited them. They come on Fridays, Sundays. We visit them on Saturdays. We some of us we visit them on the weekday. So that's what all these names are for. So when we wanted to do something like this, uh, I know in the past we've done stuff like Big Brother Big Sister. We've done Adopt a Family. We've, we've done this many different times, uh, not many, but a few times in the church where we had our route sheets and we, we, all, we brought them up here and we would ask people to come and pick a name and we would ask the church to do that. And sometimes it would work, but it didn't last very long. It's like some people would do it for maybe a day or a week or two, maybe a month, and then we forget. And I think the biggest problem or the issue was that the people we were asking to do this, adopt a family, adopt a kid, become a big brother to somebody. I, I think the problem was that the church didn't know who these people were, okay? But we know who these people are, okay? We, they, they come to our church. We have them here. And um, just, so, just to kind of give you an idea... On this list right here, we have five adults, 147 different names, 147, okay? Of those 147, 51 of them are young people, youth age, okay? So there's about, we have about 60 two different stops, okay? So that's what we do uh, every Saturday. As far as the bus ministry goes, we try to go visit every single stop, and we try to talk to every single person. On top of doing our regular outreach that um, uh, we do from time to time, we go knock brand new doors, okay? So we've knocked this year alone since the summer, since we got back from Baton Rouge. Uh, we've knocked close to 700 doors already, brand new doors, okay? <clears throat> so uh, we were going to do a big outreach today, and then uh, it, it didn't happen, so we're doing this. So I uh, appreciate everybody being here. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and begin, and uh, if we could just stand and we're going to pray. Brother Moses, would you lead us in prayer, brother? Jesus, hallelujah. Lord God, let you will be done. In the name of Jesus. God, help us to reach our city. Help us to reach the people you're giving to us. Help us to impact them, Lord, with our love, with your love, with your word. In the name of Jesus, we give you all glory and all praise, God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, I can be seated. It is my privilege and my honor to open up this uh, Project Barnabas launch we're doing. And if you just open up there, of course, it's building and cultivating a discipleship culture. All right. 
a discipleship culture. So, why Barnabas? Why Barnabas? You might be asking, who is this guy? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's look at what the Bible says about him real, real quick. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to mainly stay in the Book of Acts. If you have a Bible, if not, that's fine. Uh, Acts chapter four. Let's just read a little bit about him. Sister, grab a. As they come in, can you let them grab a notebook, please? In Acts chapter 4, <coughs> excuse me, Holy Ghost has been poured out, the church has begun, and the church is being multiplied, and we see that in verse 33, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. According as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation or encouragement, encouragement, a Levite in the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he was generous. That's one thing we're learning about. His name was Joseph. Joseph called Barnabas. Why? He was the son of consolation or he was a son of encouragement. Encouragement. Okay. Uh, if we go to Acts 11, another thing about Barnabas, in Acts 11, verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. He was a good man, full of what? Full of himself? Full of what? The Holy Ghost. Number one, he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. He was generous, full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, a good man. And in verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Then it says, As... Barnabas. They begin to list the prophets and teachers. So we can see here, he was a teacher. Okay? He was a teacher. Specifically a prophet. The scholars can tell us that. But for sure he was a teacher. Okay? He was a leader. He's listed among them. So right there we begin to find out just a little bit about uh, Barnabas. He was a Number one, to me, he was a, one of the greatest examples of being like Jesus. Okay? He was one of the greatest examples of being just like Jesus. He was a leader, a giver, 
a teacher. He was faithful. <coughs> Excuse me. He was generous not only with his money. Not only with his money. He was generous with his time. With his energy. Okay. He mentored people. In his service, he was generous. He was mission-minded. He was focused on mentoring others. And he was focused on building the church community. Okay? He taught Bible studies. He taught people the word. And he fellowshiped with them. Okay? He broke bread. Like some of the brothers broke bread this morning. (coughs) That's what he did. Okay? That's what Jesus did. It wasn't just money. He sold the land. He gave the money, right? But he had time. He gave the word. He fellowship with it. Keep that in mind. Okay? So, in our notebook, um, up top it says, take personal time with people. What's this? Time. time. Pastor said this quote many years ago. I think we did this type of training back in 2012. 11 years ago, we did something similar. And even before then, Pastor had, met, had said this quote. And I had wrote it down, and I always remember it. It was, it was one of my favorite quotes from Pastor. Take personal time with people. Serve the people. Not manipulate them. Willingly put more time in people. Time. That's what it takes. Pastor Smelser. Every success story has a Barnabas. Barnabas, I'm just going to read, hopefully real fast. Emerges in the book of Acts as a figure of remarkable influence. Everyone say influence. Influence. Leaving an indelible mark on the early Christian community. His story begins with an act of extraordinary generosity. Originally originally named, excuse me, Joseph, he hailed from Cyprus and possessed a heart full of love for the burgeoning church. Recognizing the financial needs of his fellow believers, Barnabas selflessly sold a field and donated the proceeds to support the fledgling community of faith. And we read that in Acts 4. This act of sacrificial giving revealed his deep commitment to the well-being of the early church, setting a precedent for his later impactful endeavors. Okay? So Barnabas was willing to fill the need. He was willing to fill the need. He was generous, selfless. He looked out for others, and he truly cared about the church. Okay? However, Barnabas' legacy extends far beyond material generosity. He proved to be an advocate for those who needed it most. At a critical juncture in the early Christian narrative, when the apostles in Jerusalem hesitated, to accept accept Saul, soon to be known as Paul, due to his past as a persecutor of Christians, it was Barnabas who stood up in his defense. Barnabas stood up for Paul's defense. That's what we do with everyone that we work with. From five years old to 18 to whatever, We are in their defense 
Because sometimes people don't really understand why are we bringing all these snot-nosed kids, these rebellious kids, to our church. And they see that they may be not listening all that well. They see that they're fidgeting in the seat and they see that they're getting up and maybe disturbing the service. And what's going to happen? (laughs) What we've seen happen, they get called out, even by us. We tell them, hey, chill. We might even tell them, you're not supposed to act that way. Maybe you shouldn't come back for the next few weeks. Till you act better. We're, gonna let, we're not going to let you burn down the church. We're not going to let you do all this, right? And then here comes us as a Barnabas in their defense. And we say, mercy. Mercy. Give them some mercy. Where were you at when you first came to God? Did you have it all together? Were you perfect? This story of Barnabas and Paul that we're going to go through right here this morning, it takes, it has taken, or it took years to develop. And we're just barely touching the surface. What we see in the Bible is just a very small picture of what went on. But it took a while. And Barnabas, he stood up for Paul. Because what they did, they pointed a finger. They said, "Isn't it, wait, whoa, whoa, this, ain't this the guy that was standing right there when they stoned Stephen? Just a few months ago. They didn't trust him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't want anything to do with him. But Barnabas was his advocate. Barnabas stood up for Saul. And these kids right here, These teenagers, they need some of us to stand up for them. Because no one else will if we don't. And I thank you for being here today. I thank you for for seeing this need that we have today. And I hope at the end, our heart is even bigger for what we can do for the Lord. Barnabas recognized the profound transformation that had occurred occurred in, uh, in Saul and was willing to vouch for the authenticity of his conversion. In doing so, he demonstrated not only discernment, but also a unique capacity for forgiveness and a belief in the potential for redemption. This is what we do. <clears throat> we stand up for everyone that comes through those doors on Fridays, on Sundays, we stand up for them. We vouch for them. Barnabas' true character believed in Paul. He basically told his disciples, hey guys, let's give this guy a chance. Let's give him a chance. Who was it that gave you a chance? Somebody gave you a chance. Somebody gave me a chance. And that's why we're here today. 
The disciples in Jerusalem held Barnabas in high regard, trusting him with significant responsibilities. When news had reached them of growing of a growing Christian community in Antioch, they turned to Barnabas, the church in Jerusalem, the leaders, Peter, the disciples turned to Barnabas. Did you ever hear of this guy in the New Testament? In the Gospels? Where was he? He was there in the shadows. He was following Jesus. He was looking. He was hearing. He was paying attention. This is how you treat people. Oh, man, look at Jesus. Look at what he's doing. That's how you love people. He was in the background. He was in the shadows. He was, he was paying attention. And now his, his, his life is coming to us in the book of Acts. Remember, Peter had seen a sheep come down from heaven, all kinds of beasts. And the voice said, come eat. Peter's like, no, no, I can't eat. That's unclean. And the Lord told him, don't call what I have made clean, unclean. Eat, Peter. And I believe it was in chapter 10, he went to the house of Cornelius, Acts 10. And Cornelius, a Gentile, and his household, while Peter was yet preaching, the Holy Ghost fell. And the beginning of the Holy Ghost being poured out and people being saved to the Gentile world began right there. Well, in chapter 11, there's persecution. Some of the Jerusalem church people, they go to Antioch, and they begin to be a witness. The church begins to grow there. The disciples have word. Gentiles are receiving the Holy Ghost up there. And they send Barnabas to check it out. They send Barnabas, man. That's awesome. This entrusted task was a testament to the esteem in which he was held by his peers. His journey to Antioch marked a turning point in the expansion of the early church as he witnessed the work of the Holy Ghost among the Gentile converts and took it upon himself to nurture their growing faith. Can somebody tell me how long did he stay in Antioch? The Bible says he and Paul stayed there for one year, teaching, <laughs> teaching, exhorting the people. Dude, Barnabas is so cool, bro. <laughs> Tell you. The church sent Barnabas because Barnabas was trusted. Because his ministry, as we said in the beginning, was of faith. It was faith-inspired, and it was Holy Ghost-anointed, and they knew that. Let's see. Acts 11.22. I'm going to show you in verse 23, Acts 11.23. Who, when he came, had seen the grace of God and was glad, speaking of Barnabas, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. He's encouraging them. The church in Antioch. But he didn't stop there. This was a cool thing about Barnabas. 
Let me read right here. One of the most pivotal moments in Barnabas' journey came when he sought out Saul and brought him to Antioch. Now, remember what I told you, the disciples didn't want Paul. Uh, because he was preaching Jesus now, the Jews wanted to kill him. So he was uh, criminal number one. So they had a hit on Paul. They kept watchful eye out on Paul. They surrounded him, checked out his comings and goings. So Paul had to go. He had to leave Jerusalem. He went to Tarsus. Antioch's not too far from Tarsus. When they sent Barnabas up to Antioch to check out that church, the Bible says he went and looked. He hunted, hunted for Saul to bring him to Antioch. And both of them together, Barnabas and Paul, came to Antioch. And they taught those people there for a year. This decision, uh, he sought Paul, brought him to Antioch. This decision not only solidified Saul's acceptance into Christian community, but also catalyzed one of the most dynamic partnerships in the history of Christianity. Together, Barnabas and Paul embarked on a series of missionary journeys, excuse me, venturing to regions far and wide to spread the gospel message. Their collaboration not only enriched the Christian communities they encountered, but also laid the groundwork for the theological and missionary endeavors that would shape the future of the apostolic church. Who did that? Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas. Watch, in Acts 11... Verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. He sought him out. He hunted him down. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Who was part of that? Barnabas, man. He was part of that. Antioch was Roman rule. They weren't Jewish belief. They had their own gods. But when they saw the people acting the way they acted, these people that were called the people of the way. When they saw them acting that way, the people in Antioch called them Christian because they act like Christ. Who gave that to them? It was Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas. So Barnabas, Paul, they worked together for a year in Antioch. There was a prophecy. There's going to be a dearth, a, a famine. The church in Antioch gathered offering, and they sent Barnabas and Paul to the church in Jerusalem to give that offering. They were trusted. He was trusted. 
This is amazing. Mm. There was an incident when they had heard that other disciples were still trying to teach that they should be circumcised Christians. They had a big meeting. Peter, the rest of the disciples, big powwow. They asked Barnabas and Paul to testify. And the Bible says that everybody heard them. I'll show you. In chapter 15, verse 12, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. Declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Not just Paul, y'all. Barnabas. I'm trying to put that in your head. The church sent Barnabas because Barnabas was trusted. I'm going to try to go through this real fast. In Acts 4, 36 through 37, he's named the son of encouragement. In Acts 9, 27, he stands up for Paul. In Acts 11, 23, Barnabas exhorted them all. In Acts 11, 26, the both of them taught much people. In Acts 13 and 5, the both of them, they preached the word. In Acts 13, 46, the both of them waxed bold. In Acts 14 and 1, they went both together and so spake both of them together. In 14 and 3, they speaking boldly in the Lord. 14, 7, they preached the gospel. It's always they, they, together, they. Uh, Acts 14, 15, we are men and preach unto you. We preach. 1421, they had preached the gospel and had taught many. 1422, exhorting them to continue in the faith. 1423, they uh, ordained elders. They ordained elders. 1425, they had preached the word. 1427, they rehearsed all that God had done, how God opened the doors to the Gentiles. 15.4, they declared all the things that God had done with them. 15.12, uh, the multitude gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. 15.35, teaching and preaching the word. Both. How did Jesus send out his disciples? How? By two. Guys, you don't have to do this alone. You can find somebody that's going to do this with you because they had that same heart. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to do it by yourself. In addition to the support of Paul, Barnabas also played a crucial role in the life of John Mark. In the missionary journey, uh, in the Bible, the Holy Ghost had said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Paul, for I, to where I have called them. 
They were called. Barnabas takes his nephew, Mark. The Mark that wrote the book of Mark. Mark is his nephew. His Barnabas' sister's son, Mark. They take him on the missionary journey with Barnabas and Paul. Halfway through the journey, Mark decides to go back home to Jerusalem. All right, no biggie. Barnabas and Paul continue. <clears throat> right here, Mark had previously accompanied Barnabas and Paul on a missionary journey, but he left them partway through. When the time came for another journey, Paul was hesitant to bring Mark along due to his previous departure. However, Barnabas was determined to give Mark a second chance. He gave him a first chance. Now he's giving him a second chance. He believed in Mark's potential for growth and wanted to provide him with an opportunity to continue in ministry. This led to, the Bible calls, a sharp disagreement. I just put disagreement. I guess I was too nice. <laughs> Between Barnabas and Paul. Paul was, Paul was hard-headed. He, he'd fight you. Peter's the same. These guys, they were just like that, but God is working on them. These guys are not perfect. Paul had just three years later become a convert, and God is still working on him. God is still working on us. Don't judge yourself to somebody else. Don't compare yourself to one another. We're all walking with the Lord, but we're all in a different step and level. God is going to use us differently to your strengths, to your abilities. There was only one Peter, only one Paul, only one Barnabas. There's only one of you. I had to get that through my thick head. Because many years ago, I was like, man, how come many people, white people aren't doing this? Because God called me to do it. And I can't force others to do what's not in their heart. God has to work on people. And the time will come when your star will shine. We'll get to that watch. Barnabas was determined to give Mark a second chance. They had a sharp disagreement. Paul and Barnabas separate. They separate. You don't hear about Barnabas anymore in the book of Acts. All you hear now about is Paul and Silas. But Barnabas had to prepare the way. They did everything together. Okay? They did it all together. But Barnabas had to take the back seat. And now it, now it was going to be Paul's time to shine. 
And that's what we do. We encourage others. We build others. And we may show a little bit of shine, but because of you, somebody else could shine so bright they can write 14 epistles in the New Testament like Paul. They can write the book of Mark. But what if there wasn't a Barnabas? Well, we'd even have this. Fourteen books he wrote, Paul. The book of Mark is in here. Brother Mark read a scripture last night. Mark 16. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me. He that believeth and is baptized shall be. He that believeth not shall be. Who wrote that? Mark wrote that. Who invested in him? Barnabas. Barnabas. From this time forward, we don't hear from Barnabas again until Paul mentions him briefly in Galatians. And he mentions him again in 1 Corinthians 9.6. In 1 Corinthians 9.6, it's, it's a pretty cool scripture. He's talking about in that particular scripture how Barnabas and Paul, they didn't have to work to go on these missionary journeys. They were self-sufficient. Or they didn't have to receive offerings to go on these missionary journeys. They were self-sufficient. Remember at the beginning, his generosity, he had a plot of land, he sold it, he gave it to the church. He had means. Does that mean we have to be rich to do the work of God? Absolutely not. Does that mean we have to be rich to give? Absolutely not. Remember the widow woman? She gave all. <laughs> she gave all. Your status and what we have, it doesn't mean much. What means much is how much are you willing to give? Are you willing to give a little bit of what you got? Or are you willing to give it all? Okay. And that's all we hear about Barnabas. And I think, I think that Barnabas is okay with that. <laughs> I think he was okay with that. <clears throat> he had accomplished what the Lord had assigned him to do. And now it was time for Paul to shine. So again, just think about that. If we didn't have a Barnabas, we wouldn't have 14 Pauline epistles. We wouldn't have the book of Mark. 
we wouldn't have those amazing journeys that Paul speaks of. Right before all that, or somewhere in that, I want to read you in the book of Acts an amazing story, I think. It's, to me, it's just wow. And I hope you catch this. In Acts chapter 14, Barnabas and Paul are at Lystra. There's a lame man there. Verse 8, there sat a certain man of Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted their voices. Remember we talked about the people earlier in Antioch, Roman. They saw how they were living. They called them Christians. Look at what's going on here. These people aren't godly, okay? These people... These people are, <laughs> they're Roman. Look at this. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. They called them gods. But not only did they call them gods, they called them by name. Look at this. And they called Barnabas, <coughs> excuse me, Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, or Mercury, because he was the chief speaker. Those are the Roman god names, Jupiter. You know what the Greek gods for Jupiter is? Zeus. Hermes, in the Greek for Mercury. Mercury was a messenger, a speaker. The gods sent him to do their work. Why? In their minds, they heard Paul, he did his thing, but why would they only call him Mercury, but they called Barnabas Jupiter or Zeus? Their numero uno. Why? Think about it. Why? They perceived them as gods. They perceived, they called Barnabas Zeus. Why? Number one, because they saw him as the leader. He was the leader. He was the main man. He wasn't second fiddle to anybody. God was using him to prepare another man. Just like God had used 
John the Baptist as a preparer of the way for Jesus. And sometimes we may not like it, but God wants to use us to prepare someone else. Because our greatness may not be in what we do. Our greatness might be in who we build. Do you understand that? Do we catch that? No, we don't like that. We want to be number one. We want to be it. That's our problem. Because we can get behind the pulpit on the stage and say all these pretty things. But all it is is puffing yourself up. Oh, look what I know. Look how I can say this. Look what I do. Barnabas wasn't like that. He got in a fight with Paul. He argued with Paul. I'm taking Mark. Paul didn't want him. Barnabas fought for him. There's people come to our church. Oh, what's he doing here? We don't want him in our church. We don't want people like that in our church. We don't need people like that in our church. God died for everybody. He shed his blood for everyone. And the biggest thing about Barnabas that we need to be is we need to give people a chance. And sometimes a second chance. And Jesus said, how many times are we to forgive one another? Seventy times seven. And that's hard for me. I've had people hurt me. I'm supposed to forgive them. I'm supposed to act like nothing happened. Yes. Because it ain't about me. It's about others. It's about others. That's a crazy story, y'all. They call him Zeus. They perceived him as the leader. He was the one. That's crazy to me. We're almost finished. <clears throat> I wanted to do, to do something cool here, but I think we'll just move on. Barnabas demonstrated his deep commitment to mentoring and providing second chances. He took Mark under his wing, continued to invest in his development as a disciple. This act of advocacy and support for Mark highlights Barnabas' genuine care for the spiritual growth and well-being of those 
he interacted with. In the tapestry of early Christianity, Barnabas emerges as a figure of immense significance. His generosity, advocacy, trustworthiness, and nurturing spirit shaped the course of the burgeoning faith community. Through his actions, Barnabas exemplified the transformative power of encouragement, the redemptive nature of forgiveness, and the capacity for individuals to impact the course of history through their unwavering faith and commitment. Barnabas sets the standard for being a soul winner, a disciple maker in the apostolic church, offering us a compelling example to mirror. And you don't have to do it alone. You can partner up with someone else or with another family. And this is why we're here today. Barnabas was involved and remained involved. Barnabas was involved and remained involved. Barnabas was involved and remained involved. Don't quit, y'all. Someone is relying on you not to quit, not to give up, no matter what we go through. And some of us have been through hell and back. Some of us have been through shattered heart after shattered heart. And God puts it back together, and boom, it's shattered again. Don't quit. There's a mark out there. He's waiting for you. There's a saw out there. He's waiting for you. It's not enough for us to just have a name. We don't know them. We don't know where they live. We might teach them. But do we know how they live? There's some kids on this page. They don't have an address. Because I don't know where they're going to be. Because in the last six months since the summer, since we started picking them back up, they moved six, seven, eight times. And the girl, she says... I'm tired. Why do we have to live this way? They tell us that. Right, Brother Richard? I'm tired. I see the mom, the grandma of those kids. She comes to me crying, tears, on the job. Do you know where my daughter is? Have you heard from her? Where's my grandkids? I can't take this anymore. What do I do? Man, I don't know where they're at. I'm sorry. I'm working. No, oh, man, I gave her a hug. I said, I'm praying for you. That hurts me. If you hear from them, you tell me. You got my number. Call me. They can't just be a name on the page, y'all. For too long... There have been names on pages. And God has given them to us in our ministries. This ain't a bus ministry thing. We work in buses, yes. We teach Bible studies. We work in youth ministry. We work in kids ministry. But is that all we do? Prepare for a Friday, prepare for a Sunday. And that's it. 
while we're going knocking on the door, meeting Brother Henry at the house, bringing some food, like Brother Mark did the other day, trying to talk to some kids. He's a young kid. He's on an ankle monitor. We got several kids like that, y'all. But some of us are like, the church, to Paul, man, we don't need him. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What else are you wanting? Why, are, why do we want the spotlight? Why do we want to be the number one speaker or whatever? Why are we going to conference to conference to conference? And we never change. We say we, we want to grow in God. I want to do deep things in God. Why don't you just listen to his word and take his word and do what his word tells you to do? Jesus said, Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What else do you want to do? Matthew 20, 19. Go and make disciples. Matthew 9, 37, 38. The harvest truly is plenteous. Ain't nothing wrong with the harvest. I get sick and tired of hearing preacher after preacher say, God's going to send us a revival. God's going to give us a revival. Revival is here. Revival's right there. Revival is your next door neighbor. Your revival is at your job, at your school. There's your revival. Revival's not coming. The harvest is plenteous. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth what? You, you, me, a laborer, not revival. It's ours. We get it twisted, man. Preachers come and say, I I turn you off. Seriously. Are you out there winning souls? Are you out there teaching Bible studies? Or are you just praying all day for a message? What are we doing? Luke 14, 23, go out into the highways and hedges. Compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. That my house may be filled. That's our assignment. What else do we want? Project Barnabas can help us complete our assignment. The idea behind creating a Project Barnabas is to make deeper connections with our bus ministry families, our kids ministry kids, our youth ministry young people, our visiting families, our returning guests, both young and old. It's a great net. Fishers of Men. Years ago, Brother Moses started riding the bus. He stopped riding the bus. We find him again, a young man, needing God. 
we become his friend. Was I winning a kid? Was I winning a young person? I was doing what God wanted me to do, fishers of men. It was me. <laughs> Sorry. We became buddies. He made me laugh so hard, it made my stomach hurt. <laughs> I love hanging around him. I'd pick him up. I'd go to his house, honk, honk, honk. His dad would scream, I thought, I thought that I was here for him. Get out of here so he'll stop honking. <laughs> his wife, the same way. We'd pick her up. My mom, I couldn't drive. I'd ask my mom, Mom, can we pick up my friends? At that time, before Brother Moses, we picked up Sister Sylvia. We picked up Sister Brother Jamie, Sister Naomi. All these people asked my mom to pick them up. I couldn't drive. Pick up my friend's mom. We picked up Sister Silva. Sister Silva said, my dad's not going to let me to church. He don't want me to go to church anymore. Y'all don't have to come. I said, Sister Sylvia, we'll be here tonight. You be ready. We go up to her house on the south side. She lived in the house, behind the house. They wouldn't even call it a house. And we go. And she came. And now the guys are married, running all over the U.S., teaching and preaching, praying people through to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Look what God can do. That's what God can do. That's what God can do. These ideas aim to enrich the Project Barnabas initiative, all these ideas we're going to go through, ensuring that the Ensuring that it addresses a wide range of needs and interests within those we work with. Each of these activities can contribute to a, a building a long, strong, inclusive community within our church and can even be used to help our own families build stronger bonds. Some of the activities will offer a variety of, of opportunities to spiritual connection and growth within the Project Barnabas initi initiative. They aim to foster a sense of community and deepen faith and strengthen the spiritual bonds among participants. Some of these things that are listed, there's 34 things, different things we can do. I don't know if we're going to go through them all right now, but um, a lot of that stuff we've done. We've done. We are doing. Some of us, we are doing. We just need to be more, what's the word? Put it on our schedule. Available. We just need to do it and keep doing it. Stay involved, keep involved, right? Consistency. Consistency. If anybody else has, anyone else has any more words? Intentional. intentional that's good. You got to be intentional. That's good. Maybe that's the word I was looking for. You got to be intentional. Because um, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we just. But some of these things that are offered here, it might even open your idea. Your thinker, you might be, oh, dude, I could do something like this. And some of these things that we're going to go through might be very simple, just like this morning. They had fellowship, right? Hey, man, let's go over here, okay? That takes some of this, so you better have some of that, okay? Amen. And then within that, you might just give them work. Yes. You got it. And then what are you doing? You're giving your what? Time. Giving yes. your time. Yes. That's what it takes.
what it takes. Intentional. It's a good word. Back in 2012, I had a little list. I got it with me somewhere. A little list that we were asked people to fill out on a weekly basis. What did you do to work with? I'm not going to do that. But we do have our own groups. Group me. I think it'd be cool if you just send a pic and maybe something, something. Hey, look what we did. You're not bragging. You're not bragging. You are being a testimony. You are being an encourager to someone else. If I can do this, you can too. We should approach this project with sensitivity, respect, and genuine, des- genuine desire to build meaningful relationships. This initiative has the potential to create a sense of belonging and community to those the Lord is sending our way. Ultimately, we desire that Project Barnabas will be an exciting initiative that will help the church grow in number, in unity, and maturity. There's a point. I'm almost done. I want to read to you. I think y'all have heard this. Do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the souls you can in every place you can at all the times you can with all the zeal you can as long as ever you can. We can do good and we can do better. When we think that we've done enough, you can still do a little more. When you think you've given enough, guess what? You can still give a little more. I'm going to read two scriptures. Colossians 4.10. We're not completely done with Barnabas, Paul, and Mark. (coughs) Excuse me. Colossians 2.10. Uh, 4.10. I'm sorry. That's a one gosh for sure. (coughs) 4.10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. He's talking about who? Mark. To the church in Colossians. If Mark comes unto you, receive him. Receive him. If you have your notebook, you turn to the very last page. Down at the bottom in the words of blue. 
2 Timothy 4.11. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Who's speaking? Paul. He's at the end of his road. And look at what he says. Verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Take. What does it say? Who's reading the Bible with me? It says, take Mark. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Man, Paul broke up with his bud, Barnabas. They had a big fight about this guy. But Paul realized at the end, Barnabas was right. Barnabas was right. Barnabas was right. You got to give people a chance, and a second chance, and a third chance. Bring Mark. Barnabas insisted on giving Mark a second chance. This was a ministry of Barnabas to give others a chance, a chance to know Jesus, a chance to grow in the Lord, and to give others a second chance, even when some may feel they don't deserve it. Barnabas was a true servant. The impact of Barnabas' ministry was evident when years later, Paul personally summoned John Mark, who had developed into a valuable asset to Paul's ministry. You never know the potential of those you work with. Some of them may forsake you, In verse 10, chapter 4, Paul is saying, Demas, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. People will forsake us. People will hurt us. They're going to abuse and misuse our trust. But some will become a blessing. Some will become profitable for you. Bring Mark. Bring Mark. So may this forever be our banner. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. With that, I want to close this training and we're going to move transition. It's 12:13. Been here just about an hour. Yes, sir. Can I share a quick testimony? Yes. Go ahead. Brother, I appreciate you because I feel challenged by your words. I know God placed that in my heart for all of us that want to be that want to reach souls because it's about people. And um, as you were teaching on 
short chapter. It's a beautiful story of Paul advocating for a, a runaway slave named Onesimus mm -hmm. because perhaps he had been mistreated by Philemon. Perhaps he felt he had been wrong, and he leaves. He leaves Philemon and goes to Paul. And Paul wants to keep him. And the name Onesimus, the Greek name Onesimus means profitable. And so Paul writes a letter to Philemon, and he could be, he could have a harsh approach with Philemon and say, you mistreated this brother, you did him wrong. But he begins by a salutation in the Lord, and he tells him how much he loves him. And he says, listen, I'm going to send Onesimus back to you. I could keep him because he's profitable to me, yeah. but I'm going to send him back to you. Don't receive him as a, as a servant. Receive him as a beloved brother. Mm -hmm. and, and Paul says in verse 18, if he has wronged you anything, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. Mm -hmm. I will repay you. Mm -hmm. He's advocating and, and he's placing himself as an advocate and saying, but remember this, Philemon, you owe me yourself. He basically tells, <clears throat> tells Philemon, this is not a servant, he's your brother. Yeah. And he's profitable. He's profitable to me and to you. When we're in the, in the Father's business, brethren, when my wife and I came back to Odessa by God's will and intervention, we had two, two of our kids that were not living for God. They were in San Antonio, not living for God, straight away from God. And that seemed to be an obstacle for me. I mean, I can't speak for this uh, for my wife, but I was we were praying for them. We wanted them to come back to God, to reconnect with God, reconnect with the with the with what we had taught them growing up. But we felt the presence of God take care of the father's business. Amen. The father's gonna take yeah, care that's of the true. business. That's it. That's and true. We kept praying and praying, and God put things in order. They moved to Odessa. They came back to life channel. And God started working in their hearts. No, sure. They're in the church. Our grandkids are in the church. Amen. My daughter just went to the ladies' ministry here. The, 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 to the, the conference, the ladies' conference they had, and God refilled them with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we got problems, like you said, brother. Sometimes we got problems in our work, and we got bills and things going around our life. It seems like it's a tornado. But if we refocus, place, place our eyes on Jesus, and I say, Lord, I'm gonna do Your work. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't know what You have for me, my family. Thank you. But I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna get involved with bus ministry and whatever ministry that God places in your heart. Get involved. Get connected. Because if you take care of the Father's business, if you put yeah. first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, mm -hmm. these things will be added to you. What are these things? God knows the things that you need in your life. Yeah. How many of us don't have family that, we have family members that are lost? Maybe one time they were in church. Maybe they strayed away. Whatever the case may be, let's take care of the Father's business. Brother, thank you for those words. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about us being in the limelight. It's about putting Jesus at he should be the one in the limelight. Yes. If yes. we lift him up, he will draw all men unto him. But Amen. our job, like you said, brother, we're called to be fishers of men, yeah. not keepers of the aquarium. That's right. We're called to do the Lord's business. Amen. 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 Amen.
I didn't finish the story about Brother Moses, Sister Sylvia. He came, the Lord saved him. He's not just all over the nation. But he went home to win his household. He taught Bible study to his parents, to his siblings. And they're serving the Lord today. You see, it's an ongoing fishers of men. It's an ongoing Jesus reaching people because it's that ripple effect, right? Because something that we did, that ripple can go on and on and on. You don't know the ripples that you have begun, has started a long time ago, even in San Antonio, or Eagle Pass, and what God is going to end up doing. He's not finished yet, y'all. He's not. God's not finished with any one of us, no matter how young you are or how old we are. God is not done, no matter what we've gone through. I just want to go, let me read these real quick. These names, some of you guys know these names. Um, on the west side, they're green. People, that, kids on the west side are green. Pink side, they're east side, uh, northeast, and then orange is south side. This is where they live. You, you guys are welcome to come up here. I want you to pick a name, a kid or a family, whatever you wish. Just let me know who it is because I want to write it down. And you, take, you can take a picture or whatever of their information, but you just let me know who it is that you want to work with specifically. You can partner up with people and do things. You don't have to do this stuff alone. The ones that are in yellow, specifically, those are our, our teenage roster, the guys that have come on, on Fridays and come on Sundays, the teenagers. Those are our youth, the ones in yellow, specifically. And they're listed, in, they're marked in yellow on the other pages so you know that they're a teenager. And you'll see their siblings. So most of them have the, all of them have the address. Most will have a phone number. Some will have other information like their age, birthday. Uh, we just had uh, Ashanti. Her birthday was yesterday. And she's up there at the batter's box, right? And that's when they sang to her. She loved that. She loved that. That was so cool. I was outside and I heard it. I was like, oh, man, that's pretty neat. So let me, let me just run through these real quick. I want to show you something. Brother Billy spoke. Was it Sunday night? And he mentioned something, okay, about uh, teaching a second language. Um, maybe getting start, something started here, right? Well, look at this. Um, we have put in here something to that effect. Language exchange program number 18. If applicable, facilitate language exchange programs to help non-native speakers improve their language skills and integrate more effectively. This is already there, and then he speaks about it. Ain't that neat? So a lot of this stuff... It's stuff that we've done, but it's stuff to op op engage, for us to engage with. Some of the stuff would, can, can be planned. Some of the stuff is much simpler. But let me just run through them because I know some of us, we may not even pick this up again. I mean, y'all may put it on, on, a, on a chair at home. Maybe it might get wet, may end up throwing the trash. I don't know. 
I hope we do take care of it, though. But number one, number one, uh, here are some ways our church can be a support and make connections. Some require some planning. Others are quite simple. You may not even use any of these ideas, but may help you come up with a new idea. So hope you are willing to share it. <clears throat> Personalized welcome packages. Provide welcome pack. We've done stuff like this uh, with essential items, school supplies, variety of goods, depending on the season, a handwritten note expressing your warm welcome. You don't have to do this just for welcome packages. You can do this just because you care. You can just drop something. Hey, man, I love you. We're, we're, I'm glad that you're coming to church. I'm glad you're part of this family. Regular home visits. This is something that I think should be established. What's that intentional? That word intentional? Dude, if, if they live right, right down the street from you, that, that's your number one thing you're going to do today. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> establish a schedule for church members to visit the families in the homes, offer support, prayer, or simply just spend time together. And you can include all kinds of stuff in that. Coordinate transportation. Of course, we do pick up a lot of people, but sometimes we can't. Pastor, we're not allowed to go way out west. Um, I was hoping to get help with Brother Keyshawn. If I, can have him, if I can find him a second person, if we get three buses running here, I can find him a second person. I'm going to send my van with Brother Keyshawn. He's going to pick up some of the people out, way out west that are they're ready to get picked up. We just can't right now. All right. Uh, so coordinate transportation. Uh, bring them with you. I'll, I've been saying this a lot lately. I think the greatest, the greatest soul winning tool that we have amongst our church, the greatest tool that we're not utilizing right now is our own vehicles. When I was doing the uh, parking lot for the Spanish Southwest, Southwest in Espanol, I was doing the parking lot, I saw so many cars with just one driver and no, no passengers. And I have, been, I have been speaking to people, talking to people about this great tool that we're not utilizing our own vehicles. Some of us have three, four, five cars sitting there, and we come to church empty. That's crazy. How many, how many, how many people on this list? Do you remember? hundred and forty seven and we sit here in our fancy cars nice big cars what are we doing um, invitations to church events we just had us uh, an awesome event one of our our bus moms we met her about two summers ago just because we're buying pizza we invite them to church the kid comes eventually he gets baptized the mother keeps coming she came to the ladies' tea. But honestly, I don't know if anyone's connected with her. I don't know if anyone's done this with her. Certainly not this. Because she's a lady and we're men and it's kind of hard for us to do that. Yeah. But she came. She came. Well, what are we doing when we have these big events? Are we inviting people like this? Are we letting them know? Are we blowing the trumpet? Hey, we're having this. We're having this VBS here at our church. We have an amazing church. Our church does not start at 11 o'clock. Our church starts at 945. We have Sunday school at 945. We have classes at 945. 
Brother Mark and his team, we're here at 9.45. Serving breakfast for teenagers right there at 9.45. Not 11 o'clock. I hate that. I do. We don't start at 11. 9.45. Kids in the back, they're eating breakfast. 9.45. Spanish service, full-blown Spanish service. Music, preaching, teaching. 9.45. We get here around 7.30, 7.45. First one's here. You know who's second here? People in music. Preparing, getting ready for service at 9.45. Not 11. Teachers getting here early. Preparing early. 9.45. Are we trumpeting all, our, all the stuff we do here? Are we letting them know about everything we do? Especially when it comes down to conferences. We're having, we're having a Southwest holiday. Southwest youth. <laughs> Espanol. Ladies tea. Are we inviting these people? Are we helping them get here? If, it, if, it, if we have to pay for it? I'm going to say something may not be popular. That church in Baton Rouge, some of us went to in the summer. You know what he says? The pastor. And if I'm wrong, they can correct me. We do things different. But he said he didn't charge for their conference. They had free food, lunch, served for everybody. Everybody. Every day. Every day, free lunch. They had their food trucks at night. You didn't have to pay no registration fee for the conference. Nothing. Free lunch. He says, if your church can't afford to pay for the conference, and you have to get your people to pay registration, you can't afford to have it. You can't afford to have that conference. Everything is free. It, it, it was a sweat box at times. Yeah. Middle of summer. <laughs> but we have all these conferences, man. Yes. A few years ago, we paid for all these youth. But you know, we got to be intentional. What youth are the ones that really want this? What kids are the ones that really need this? Just pay their way, man. We paid, we, we paid all kinds of people's way to all these things. Uh, mentoring, tutoring opportunities, paradox with older young youth from church, uh, with children, with teens, mentorship, academic support. Some people need just help doing homework. These are just ideas, okay? Family-friendly gatherings, host events like picnics, game nights, outings, uh, things that cater to interests. Uh, I'm hoping to do stuff more with, uh, since my son, he just graduated I would like to do more stuff with the uh, hyphen group. You know, every now and then, have, have something at our house. You know, uh, this guy, he brings visitors. They'll come. He brought one to, uh, what, what, we just, what, what did we just have? All nations. All nations. Just stuff like that, man. Um, friendly gatherings. Welcome them to your home. Go to their home. Find out how they live. Where they live, this may, be, this may be the greatest opener for all of us to become more empathetic. Find out where they live. How they live. And some of the what, where and how, it, it ain't that great. 
Just to be honest. Provide practical support, offer assistance with tasks like grocery shopping, household repairs, mowing the yard. Uh, child care, showing the willingness to serve and help to meet their needs, especially. I had a call today, a, a message today. Somebody needs help with their bill. A bus family. Like, man. Special celebrations. Acknowledge those celebrations like we did last night for Shanti. Acknowledge those things. Sing happy birthday, holidays, anniversaries, milestones in their life. Brother Moses does this all the time. When it pops up on Facebook, it's their anniversary, they were baptized. Happy anniversary. Their baptismal anniversary or Holy Ghost being filled anniversary. Uh, prayer and spiritual support. Prayer teams dedicated to praying. Uh, cultural exchange learning. Organized events where families can share their cultures, traditions. We Kind of did that just now. Parenting workshops, support groups, shared meals, potluck, surprise blessings, organized regular gatherings. It don't have to be every week, just maybe once every three weeks, once every quarter, you know, just something. Uh, something to get in their lives. Uh, education, skill building workshops, collaborate service projects. Uh, we can do stuff with the local uh, needs here, opportunities here. We can help at the Food bank, we can help at uh, uh, here. We're serving their server at HEB for uh, Thanksgiving, um, the Salvation Army, stuff like that. There's always places to help. Uh, crisis support, establish network resources. People that do call me asking for a bill, I, I usually go to this one lady because where she used to work, she has resources available where there are people, there are uh, entities out there that help people in those areas. So I'm always reaching out to her, so I, I got to text her about this lady here. And if that doesn't happen, then usually I'll, I'll text a group text with the men, and sometimes they're, they're able to help us out. Uh, between what the men gave, between what another person gave that picked up this particular family to go buy them groceries, I kid you not, I think it was over five, $600 worth of groceries. That people gave. We gave. And I'm like, dude, that's a lot. I could have said, I could have been like uh, Judas or something. Hey, man, let's keep some of this for here. We can use this. We gave it all. Yeah. We picked this up for this. Give it all. And they took them out. It took them, it took them a while to get together. But that person did that. They did that. Oh. Uh, Education skill building workshops, crisis support, sports recreational activities, organized classes, recreational activities for various, catered to various age groups, library learning center, create a designated space at church with books, educational resources, computers, families, children, teens to study or learn, or set up a schedule to take them to the library. Language exchange program, we talked about that, job fairs, vocational training. Dude, we can do all kinds of stuff. Counseling, support groups, prayer meetings, prayer partnerships. Of course, we, knew, we know we have the, the prayer we do here with the family prayer starting next week on Tuesday, so this coming Tuesday. Fasting, spiritual discipline, spiritual resources. Uh, teach them to fast. Uh, fast with them. Uh, show them what it does. You know, don't you, hey, just fast. My, my kids are blowing my mind. Uh, I'm hungry all the time. 
So I'll pick them up from school or for work or whatever, and I, I'm like, hey, you guys hungry? And they'll be, no. You want something? No. Then I learn later they're fasting. My kids. I'm like, okay, right. Daddy needs to fast. <laughs> they're showing me. Uh, financial workshops, retreats, camps. Did I jump? Yeah, I did jump. No. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff here we could do. Missions. Promote awareness about local, national, global missions. Number 26, provide opportunities for involvement in mission projects and outreach efforts. Encourage them to give to missions. Help them to come with ideas to raise money for missions. Home missions and foreign missions. Our own church ministries, too. Journaling reflecting activities provide prompts for journaling, uh, self-reflection, and help individuals connect with God on a deeper level. I'm blabbing. Excuse me. Uh, offer workshops on biblical principles of financial stewardship, including giving, tithing, managing resources of God's kingdom purposes. These are just some things that we can do. And uh, if I will, y'all can take a quick break and or just come up here and uh, see if you find a name. If you, if you know someone that you already put in your mind, God has already put someone in your mind to work with, then... Uh, that's awesome. Uh, from here to now, we were just going to pick names. Um, Brother Mark, could you dismiss us, bro, in prayer? And I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. Um, to be honest, I didn't know who was going to show up, but you guys did. And uh, if we ever get another opportunity to do this, I, I don't know that we will. But Brother Moses has uh, tried to record, hopefully... He got the majority of that. But um, thank you again for coming. I pray that this, this was helpful to you. I hope we learned something. Uh, if you hear another preacher talking about Barnabas, maybe he can bring something else, else new. <laughs> I was telling my son, maybe we can do like a historical background of, he was a Levite, so he, he worked in the, in the, in the tabernacle. Uh, so uh, go into the history of all that, but uh, we kind of exhausted Barnabas this morning. I wanted you to understand exactly where he came from and how God used him to help others. Brother Mark?
the relationship that they have with Brother Henry, Brother Jesse, and even uh, Brother Mo, as they get older, they get to the youth, and, you know, um, it's been inspiring, man. <laughs> so you guys continue what you're doing, but um, we're going to get behind you guys, and, and we're going to, uh, it's like you said, we have to stay involved. Stay involved. Yeah. <laughs> Stay involved. Yeah. And, and not drop the ball on that. So it might be a process, mm-hmm. but if we can stay encouraging one to another and, and uh, just uplift each other. And there's no greater feeling, and I always used to say this, there's no greater feeling than seeing somebody in church that you went and knocked on their door, invited them to church, yeah. see them filled with the Holy Ghost, I got baptized yeah. in Jesus' name. There's no greater feeling yeah. than that right there. Because you know that you've had just maybe just a little part in, in, in that process. Amen. And uh, we want to do that. And I think that if we can get a taste of it, there will be a lot more of us willing to do those things. We just need to get out there and start knocking some doors and visiting some of these kids. Yes, sir. So I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. Um, I know I had several of my team that said uh, they apologize for not being here. Um, but it has to be a continuum thing. It can't just be today, right? Yeah, right. It has to be a continuum thing. So sure. It's, it's going to be a constant reminder within our ministries, hey, let's not forget about Project Barnabas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to get shirts, lanyards, cups, hats, <laughs> whatever we got to do to hey. be a constant reminder. Let's do it. Project Barnabas is here to stay. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That's what we want. Right? It would be awesome, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. This burning God that you put in our hearts and our minds, God. I pray, God, that you would just call on deaf ears, God, that you would just help us, God, to be a willing vessel, God, to go beyond these walls, God, to witness, God, to be a light in this dark world, God, to be a refuge, God, to bring your word, the Holy Ghost, God, your spirit, God, into some of these doors, God. Help us, God, that not the burning God that doesn't. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. Jesus. Praise God. Bless your church, God. Bless your people. Praise God. Y'all can look at names. I can pick a name. If y'all would, just sign this roster right here. Just to, so I'll know who I came. Please. But you don't got a knife on. These are, these are You're a droid person.